Connor Esiason, and you're listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast presented by the Boomer Esiason Foundation and GunnerEsiason.com. This podcast series has been made possible by Vertex, Novartis, Digital Credit Union, and Atlantic Health. The views expressed on Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast are that of Gunnar Esiason, Tiffany Rich, and guests, and not necessarily those of the Boomer Esiason Foundation. Nothing in this podcast series should be considered medical advice. Such advice can only be given by a physician who's experienced with cystic fibrosis. The Boomer Esiason Foundation, Gunnar Esiason, Tiffany Rich, and guests cannot be held responsible for any damage which may result from using the information on this podcast without the permission of your medical doctor. You're listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast. All right, it's Gunnar Asias, and we're back for uh, another episode of Breathe In Podcast. Tiffany has the week off, but I'm joined by two very special guests. Uh, my girlfriend Darcy is on the podcast. A lot of you have met her already. Darcy, say hi. Hi, everybody. Welcome back, Darcy. And then we are so excited to be joined by Jack Goodwin, 27 years old, coming from us, uh, coming to us from L.A. Uh, you may know Jack if you read Salt of My Soul. Uh, he dated the, the very late uh, Mallory Smith. Um, in her posthumously published memoir, Salt in My Soul. Jack, how are you? I'm all right, guys. Pleasure to be here. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, we have a lot to talk about today. Um, we definitely want to get into Salt in My Soul and you know your relationship with Mallory. Um, but you also wrote a blog for uh, for us at GunnerSizen.com, which we're very thankful for. Um, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, tell the listeners who you are um, and your, your sort of relationship to, to cystic fibrosis. Sure. Yeah. So I came in a huge novice to CF. Uh, I was a space nerd in college. I uh, went to school in San Diego for undergrad and then made my way to the Bay Area where uh, I was a PhD student uh, in the plasma physics lab of Stanford University. While there, I met this really super cute girl called Mallory Smith. Her name Mallory Smith. <laughs> and uh, little did I know, she had this uh, rare genetic disorder called cystic fibrosis. Um, and so that was where I got introduced to the disease and all that, that entails. Um, and I was really lucky to have a really supportive um, girlfriend in Mallory um, who was very patient with me and in, in learning what CF was all about. And, uh, and I'm very lucky to have like a supportive family of hers as well. Um, so I met her on New Year's Eve in 2015-16 and uh, we started dating from there. And then I uh, soon fell in love with her and supported her through a double lung transplant um, as well as uh, some very unique kind of medicine uh, for CF patients uh, related to superbugs. And unfortunately, uh, I was with her when she passed away and succumbed to that superbug and CF combo. Um, so since then, uh, I've gotten involved in Mallory's book, which uh, we published posthumously, um, Salt in My Soul. And uh, yeah, it's been a great way to remember her and to, to honor her. And to, to remind me that uh, what happened was real and it was hard, but um, I wouldn't trade it for anything. So, you know, Salt in My Soul, I've read it. Darcy has read it. It's an amazing um, book that, you know, we'll certainly get into it in a little bit here. Um, but it, you, you know, kind of touched on it that Mallory sort of became the face for uh, superbugs, not only in cystic fibrosis, but also um, in really the humanity as, as, as a whole there because, you know, the antibiotic crisis that we're dealing with in – Really, not only CF, but also the larger healthcare landscape is is pretty significant and pretty serious. Um, so, you know, I, I think that you you had a, a front row seat to a, an amazing woman, and you got to see uh, all all the great things that Mallory was. Um, and, and you know, I wonder, you know, 
everyone has a role in a relationship, you know, not, you know, maybe that role isn't, you know, initially, um, you know, apparent, but, you know, as a relationship develops, you know, like Darcy and I have, uh, you know, we each have our own roles in our, in our relationship. Um, Darcy, do you want to talk about those roles or do you want me to take a guess and stab and, and guess what we have? <laughs> I want oh, you to this guess. is going to be good. I'm excited. I want you to guess, but first, I just want to backpedal for a second. And Jack, if you could just explain to us, what is plasma physics? Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, I guess that's a big backpedal. But um, uh, plasma is the fourth state of matter. There's gas, solid, liquid. Um, those are There's what we deal with. the fourth one? They're, well, yeah, it's the fourth one because it behaves a little differently. And so the plasma is, uh, makes up the sun, uh, for instance, and it also makes up um, neon signs. So like the open or closed signs, uh, like the 90s colors, all of those, uh, those are all made of plasma. It's excited gas. Um, it behaves a little differently than any type of matter. And uh, you can do some really cool things with it. And so uh, when I was at Stanford, I uh, researched Hall Effect Ion Propulsion, which uh, is used on uh, orbital station keeping for satellites. Uh, it's a very uh, low thrust, high efficiency engine. And then I transitioned to plasma nanomaterials, which uh, are used at least by the Air Force in electronic warfare and uh, antenna shape or beam shaping. Um, and it's a type of mobile antenna. Uh, so that's that's the nerdy side I was talking about. But uh, that, was, that was my past life. <laughs> Consider me an excited gas because that is fascinating. Uh, it's certainly a far more intellectual than uh, general conversation that we usually have in the podcast. But back to the point that I was trying to make. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, I you know I think you know for example for Darcy and I like you know Darcy's extremely patient. She's willing to learn about cystic fibrosis and throw herself in the middle of just about everything that she you know can. Um, and me on the other hand, I probably create some frustration, but also uh, you know am willing to open up and provide. Uh, that door to cystic fibrosis and everything that I do for for Darcy to come walk through. So I'm wondering, you know, what what you know what did you feel like, um, you know, your role was in, in your relationship with, uh, you know, a Mallory Smith, but b Mallory Smith, the cystic fibrosis patient. Absolutely. I mean, I think uh, you might have touched on it there. You said Darcy's curiosity, and I think I had that same curiosity with Mallory. Like I saw this amazing, beautiful woman in front of me, and I I wonder how she balanced it all. I mean, she was a Phi Beta Kappa Stanford graduate. Uh, three-sport varsity athlete in high school and prom queen. And I was stoked to get to know her the more I talked to her. And uh, the more I talked to her, the more I fell for her. Um, but in terms of CF, that was something I had no experience with. Uh, but I think my curiosity helped me uh, because it, it gave me some resolve and some, you know, a little extra encouragement to to really learn, like, what makes a CF patient tick, which uh, really matters because, you know, CF patients, they're so rare. I don't know if you, I don't need to tell you that, Gunnar. Um that uh, I think they're often misunderstood um, uh, with their unique challenges or, that are truly, truly unique. Um, so yeah, that that helped me in the beginning. Um, I I would say that I was not um, the best supporter, um, you know, boyfriend girlfriend at, at first, uh, especially once Mallory started to get more and more sick. You know, it's it's one thing to you know make someone soup and sit with them and you know hang out uh, when when you don't feel great, but it's another thing to uh, talk about you know like changing out your lungs like if you're if a critical organ of your body is dying uh, and you need to replace it in order to live longer like what does that mean for your life what does that mean for your future for your family and for your friends and so um, those sorts of topics I, I wasn't great at talking about with Mallory first because uh, I I was torn between being truthful and honest uh, but also with not taking away hope from her because uh, um, the odds are, are tough you know uh, double lung transplants are are a rough procedure. Um, CF is a um, 
formidable disease and superbugs uh, equally so. Uh, they make the, the challenge a little greater. Uh, those are the efforts I'm uh, involved in now and passionate about now. But uh, when Mao and I were first learning about them, it was uh, very hard to, to accept that reality. And um, Mao is really patient with me. And I think that patience um, paid off in, in a lot of ways. And, and Maori was wise beyond her years. Uh, it was like dating a 50-year-old woman in like a 24-year-old's <laughs> body. Nice. Uh, yeah, so uh, eventually I got much better and we were able to have those serious conversations about mortality and the meaning of life uh, and the love of family and friends and, and yeah, just what, what makes life so valuable and so amazing. Um, so... Go ahead. You know, I certainly think that you, you you hit on briefly. Then it looks like Darcy kind of you know wants to jump in here, but um, you know, you, you're talking about how you felt that Mallory was you know mature for her life, like dating a 50 year old woman. I mean that that comes clear. You know, you could in reading her book, you know, even when she was you know at the youngest point of her journaling, like you could, she was probably a better writer then than most professional writers are now. You know, mm. and like the the thoughts that she was conveying are are certainly very complex and mature um but you're right they're they're also very vulnerable and they're definitely um she definitely i could you know from reading things that she's written you know not only in the book but also on the internet you know it, it felt like she had a lot to say um mm. and, and i think that's kind of the thing that um is 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 really the, my big takeaway from salt of my soul that she was someone who had a ton to say about her life and everyone who made a huge impact in her life and you know you feature prominently in the book so you obviously made some sort of impact um and you know i think that um you know er everything that you're saying is, is certainly rings true in, in most of the relationships that i kind of know of people that, that with cystic fibrosis that they're in because you know that they they want those deep con conversations and connections that you're talking about absolutely couldn't agree more um and they're not easy to have. Uh, I would consider myself like a pretty good conversationalist, uh, but the, <laughs> the realm of mortality and, and things like that uh, are tough to talk about for sure. Um, uh, even tougher to grapple with, I can only imagine. And so, uh, yeah, it, it took a while, but um, eventually Melanie and I got there. Um, it's hard to define the, the steps we took to get there besides uh, practice, patience, positivity, uh, a lot of P words in there. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm happy that I was able to provide her support when she needed it most. Um, if I were to give an example, I think, um, one, one thing I struggled with is, uh, is as simple as knowing what to say, knowing what to do. Uh, but Mallory made a point that's of saying, you know, just being there is, <laughs> is more than half of the effort, uh, you know, showing that you, you care enough to at least be with you in that moment. And if you don't, if you can't find the words, um, uh, at that time, that's okay. You know, they'll, they'll come eventually and um, support can come in many forms. Mm, definitely. And you made it out there for her dry runs too, right? In the sense of being there? Yes, absolutely. You were there for everything, huh? Yeah. So uh, what Darcy's talking about, I chose to uh, drop out of the PhD program at Stanford. I gave up a, a full ride, uh, which was a, a good thing to uh, do at the time, uh, you know, I was, I was really into Mal. I wanted to make sure I could support her. And so I moved to LA and the thinking was that once Mallory got her double lung transplant, I would be able to meet her there in her hometown. And, um, Mallory was previously living in the Bay area, but then, uh, needed a double lung transplant. But because she had the superbug B. Cepatia, her case is very risky. Um, the statistics for, uh, survival at the 10 year mark for CF patients with B. Cepatia are not great. Um, for a number of reasons, mainly because when CF patients or any 
transplant patient goes to a or gets a new organ, a new vital organ, uh, the body recognizes it as a foreign object and it attacks it. And so the, uh, the body has that natural response. And so medically, you need to suppress that. And so you go on this thing is called immunosuppressants, which suppress your immune system. And then uh, the problem is then your body can't fight off um, bacteria. Um, and so you need to use antibiotics, which a lot of CF patients use to attack that bacteria. The problem with superbugs is they're resistant to um, all known antibiotics. And so uh, Mallory was left in a you know weakened state with a weakened immune system to fight off a very powerful superbug. And uh, it did not end up well for her, um, even though we were very close to uh, finding a way to um, get rid of um, the superbug. And so there's a lot there. I'll try to I'll try to approach the timeline first because um, it's a complex story. UPMC, the only hospital in the nation that would accept her case, and then I moved to LA, hoping that she would get new lungs, uh, she would recover, and then she would move home, and uh, I would be there waiting for her. While she was on the list, is what they call it, uh, waiting for um, these new lungs. I would commute to her once a month, so I'd fly direct from LA to Pittsburgh on Spirit Air, God bless them, uh, oh, for their <laughs> for their for their affordable rates and very compact seating. I'm 6'3", and I did not fit in them, but that's okay because I wasn't going to complain. Uh, so I saw her Thursday to Sunday um, every four weeks uh, while she waited for lungs, and she had three dry runs. A dry run is what's uh, called when they uh, the hospital brings in a patient. Uh, but they're not the primary patient. You know, they, they rank patients due to need, essentially, and how dire their situation is. And so sometimes they'll bring in a backup just in case the patient in the one spot, um, you know, there's complications or they pass away, uh, and then they bring in the backup. And so, you know, these, these organs are so valuable that the hospitals want to guarantee that once they are available, they go to a uh, worthy patient. And so Mallory was brought in three times, Three times she was in the number two spot, and so they kept going to someone else uh, who was more sick than her. Uh, it's a fine line between being uh, not too sick, but uh, too, but sick enough to still demand the lungs, and mm -hmm. uh, it's a complex situation. So Mallory ended up being in Pittsburgh for nine months, seven months of which were on the list, and then in October, or no, September, on September 11th of 2017, Mallory got new lungs. And so we were overjoyed and, uh, she soon started to recover. Uh, she was off oxygen within a month and we took a walk in, uh, you know, the, the crisp bottom air and, uh, it was really great. We had a lot of hope. Uh, we started talking about future plans, about children and marriage and where we wanted to live and, uh, start a family. And, uh, unfortunately her superbug um, caught up to her and, uh, overtook her lungs, which, uh, filled with pneumonia due to the superbug, and unfortunately she passed away in November of 2017. Um, so it was very sad and I miss her a lot, um, but one of the most amazing gifts that she left was for her mother. Uh, she uh, gave her mother the password to her personal journals that she wrote from age 15 until she passed at age 25 of uh, what it was like to live with CF. And Mallory's uh, passing wish was to have her or was the hope that uh, her words, sorry, was to she she left <laughs> she left behind her words in the hope that they would help those living with or loving someone with CF. Uh, it's the it's the line that I always uh, struggle to remember. But um, 
yeah, so we took that and ran with it. And uh, we didn't we had never put a, published a book before. Originally, we were just going to share it to the CF uh, community we knew online or something um, in electronic form. Uh, but we hired an agent and the agent was like, look, you don't understand what you have here. Like, these, this is amazing writing. Uh, I think this can do far greater good than just in the CF community. So let's not limit ourselves. Uh, so the way it works in publishing is uh, you have to like the publisher. The publisher has to like you. And so uh, you start at the top and go down. And we expected, you know, some smaller publisher to be like, OK, you know, we'll take you on as a charity case. Uh, but we were surprised to find out that the biggest publisher in the world said yes right away. Um, so Penguin Random House published Salt My Soul and Unfinished Life by Mallory Smith uh, in March of this year, 2019. And uh, the scale of the project took off from there. Uh, so that um, we, we worked on that heavily throughout 2018 and then published in early 2019. And it was a great way for me to remember Mallory and uh, remind me of why she was so amazing. And if you had asked me um, before she or, you know, when she passed, like how well I knew her, I would have said like I knew her so well, like I knew her intimately. Uh, but the book allowed me to see a side of her that I had I'd never seen before and uh, got made me appreciate so much more of who she was. So, so I, you know, I have, I have a few questions here. You know, we actually so we met you in, in March right around the uh, the publish date of Salt of My Soul at New York Public Library um, mm -hmm. when um, Mallory's mom was, was, was giving a talk, Diane. And, uh, you know, I think uh, one thing that both Darcy and I noticed there was, you know, how much Mallory's family has kind of like welcomed you in. Uh, and, Absolutely. You know, and I think that was like an amazing thing because obviously you meant so much to Mallory that, you know, you also meant so much to her, her family, too. Um, and that was a very cool thing to see. You know, my, my question for you about, you know, when you read the book and you when you well, really when you saw a lot of her writing and you, you got to meet the Mallory before you really met her. Uh, was, was there a, a part that's in the book now that you kind of feel like, Oh well, yeah, that's definitely Mallory. Like I can totally see where that came from. Or is there a part where you're like, yeah, that right there, that, that has held true for her, you know, held true for her entire life. Yeah. I think it was, uh, it was interesting for me to see her talk about, you know, the guys that she had dated before me. And, uh, so that there, I mean, that, that's what comes to mind. Yeah. And like, she was really lucky to date a lot of really cool guys, uh, which, which is, which is cool, which is cool to know. And, you know, for one reason or another, it, it didn't work out, uh, with those guys. Uh, but she was very cognizant of, of why it didn't work out. Um, and she, uh, she didn't settle, uh, and so that's something that I really respect about her. Uh, she really, she really knew herself and what she wanted, and she was going to go after it. Um, you know, we all have one life, and she was going to dig in. And so uh, she, she wrote in her journal one time of like, you know, I loved this about this guy, I loved this about this other guy. They're all great people. Um, but you know, if I just had this one guy with you know A B C D E and just laid it out of what she wanted in a partner, and I read on as she described me. And that that was really special uh, to see that in hindsight. That that is a pretty cool. That must have been a, a, you know a, a surreal feeling I think to have actually seen that in in her writing after the fact. Um, you know more from the book. You know you know she always talks about she did kind of talk about the dilemma that does exist from the person with cystic fibrosis that they're you know they're putting the disease on the partner or the condition on not only the partner but you know friends and family and the pressures that that creates. Um, I think, you know, a huge fear that a lot of people with CF have 
is, you know, the guilt that they experience when it comes to, you know, getting sick or, you know, missing out on different parts of life and, and having to deal with those kinds of things. And they're kind of thrusting their, their, you know, their partner, their boyfriend, their girlfriend, their husband, wife, whatever, into that kind of life. And, you know, that's something that I, you know, sort of initially struggled with when, when Darcy and I started dating. And Darcy and I have kind of been very candid about, you know, some of those times that happened early on. But you kind of come to trust the person a little bit. Um, you know, I'm wondering from your perspective, what was that like? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think Mallory uh, brought out those emotions first. She cared a lot. Um, once, she, once she cared, once she, you know, came to care a lot about me, I think she wanted to protect me in a way from from CF. And so she she brought up that subject very early on. And, you know, in her case, it was a good thing she did because it started getting very serious very fast. Uh, but Mallory felt that guilt um, of like the, the pre-survivor guilt, uh, whatever that is. And so uh, for Mallory, she felt like she was being selfish uh, to, to fall for someone who uh, might not make it to uh, be able to raise a kid with you, uh, uh, to retire together, to grow old. Uh, that was something that she always um, felt that guilt about and felt that hesitation for. Uh, but, you know, after a lot of talks, we, we decided that, you know, that desire to protect me was really, it, it wasn't selfish. It was selfless. Uh, you know, she, she was coming from a kind, a kind place. And, uh, as for me, um, you know, a lot of people have asked me, like, did, first of all, did you understand like what CF was? Um, and the question can't ever be fully yes, I think. But, um, uh, what I, what I did understand was that, uh, Mallory was an extraordinary woman. And uh, what I understood about myself was that I had a belief in humanity to solve world's, the world's biggest problems. And that extended to uh, medical problems, and specifically in this case, CF. And so uh, the current uh, life expectancy for CF patients is in the late 30s, I believe. Um, and so when Mallory was born, it was in the mid to late 20s. And so I looked at those odds and I said, on average, Mal could have um, you know, a good many years left. And in that time, CF can be cured, superbugs can be uh, combated a little more uh, directly, and the risk of meeting this perfect girl that I had always dreamed of uh, and letting her pass me by, that risk was actually greater than uh, not dating her at all. And so, or you know, the risk of losing her to CF, rather. And so uh, I decided to, to take that leap, and it's the best decision I've ever made. That reminds me of a part in the book, and um, it was the part where Mally was recalling a story that you had told her was, which was about a conversation that you had had with your dad. Mm. Do you remember that part? Yeah. Um, I think it was a conversation that, yeah, yeah. I think we had it in person, uh, my dad and I, and I think my dad had that kind of protective, you know, as a father, he wants to protect his son. He had that protective uh, instinct as well. And he said, you know, I think his direct quote was, I hope you understand that this story has a tragic ending. And at first, you know, I was, <laughs> that's a pretty raw way to just like dig right into it. Um, but you know, someone, someone probably, uh, needed to, to address that with me. I, I don't know if that's the best way to say it, <laughs> dad, if you're listening, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but it came, came from a good place. Um, uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I understood what he was getting at and, uh, he, I think he just wanted me to be aware of the, of the, the consequences of the decision that I was making and, you know, the risk that I was, um, taking onto my taking into my life that um that Maori already had in hers and it was a risk that I was aware of and um I took willingly you know i that that's a it's, it's like a real life moment right that's that's something where um you know 
there, there's there's a lot of life lessons that parents pass down to kids, and like that that kind of sounds like what that was, you know, like where um, where that's kind of addressing the the unknown. And I think that from like the the patient perspective here, you know, I on one hand, you know, Dick would kind of hope that you know Darcy or or whomever I you know may, may have dated before Darcy kind of understood what they were getting themselves into. Uh, and mm-hmm. you know, I think that it's it's very important um, to be to be a re- to be a realist. And you know, I would expect that of Darcy, and I do expect that of Darcy. And Darcy does give that to me um, to the point where you know, I think she she has seen the good days and the bad days with my CF, and she's you know learned how to adapt to them, uh, you know, uh, accordingly. And you know, I think you know what kind of you know is something that I never really kind of anticipated um, is is for someone to like talk to me about that from from my girlfriend's perspective you know like the first time Darcy and I you know kind of talked about the real seriousness of CF it was like a, it was a wake-up call for me my, for me as well and you know I think um, that has only made our relationship stronger I think I also think it's just important to be I really like that part in the book that that she included that because I think I remember when I first started dating Gunner, I had conversations like that with my parents and I had friends kind of bring up stuff about Gunner CF unsolicited out of like protectiveness and concern. And but when you like read stories on the Internet about other people who are dating people with CF, a lot of people are kind of like, of course, I never thought for two seconds that. I never consider those things. It's just true love. And there wasn't, at least four years ago, there was not a lot out there about the realities of dating someone with CF and some of those scary conversations. There's kind of people who are really just trying to prove that things are okay, which of course they are, and we know they are, and it's all for the best. But I think there was too much of trying to prove that and not enough of talking about like, yeah, it can be scary. And yeah, especially at the beginning when you have no idea what you're getting into and those life expectancy stats are terrifying and things like that. So I'm glad that you guys talked about it and I'm glad that Mallory put it in her book so that everyone can talk about it. So yeah, Mal and I went through that uh, and I think that's important for every CF couple uh, to have those tough conversations early on, uh, to be aware of what they're really getting into. I think those are healthy conversations. Uh, but one more thing I will say is, you know, it's it's probably natural to expect um, a little bit of pushback from your family and friends, especially uh, those who are, don't know what CF is and see it as this very new thing, very raw thing. And, uh, you know, folks that will come to you with their concerns, uh, with their caring to make sure that, you know, you understand what you're getting into. Uh, but I, I think that you shouldn't be afraid of the naysayers and the people who might look at you and be like, are you an idiot <laughs> for wanting to date this person who might die in a couple of years? And I think that comes from a good place, but I also think it comes from a place that is just a little more ignorant of CF and the things that are the, the types of people that CF patients can be, which are amazing people. And uh, what those people don't understand uh, is like, you know, I look back on my decision to date Mallory, which some people might consider crazy. Uh, but I look back on that moment and I think that decision was brilliant. Um, and that those, those naysayers need to understand that, you know, CF patients can be, uh, so incredible that it, it is worth it. And, you know, it was worth it for me to take that risk. 
Uh, now, I don't think that's true for everyone. Not at all. Um, I'm not saying I'm not sitting here saying, you know, I think everyone should date a CF patient. You know, that's that's not I don't think that would work out well for <laughs> CF for significant others. Um, it takes a certain type of person. Uh, so, yeah, for Mal and I, we, we found that love and uh, we, you know, we did feel that fear of the unknown, uh, which was natural, but we worked our way through it. And uh, we ended up making an educated uh, calculated decision to stay together, and it's still the best decision I've ever made. You know, I think you make a lot, a lot of really good points there. Um, you know, you know, one being that you know, from from the person with CF perspective here, you know that th- there is a match right there, there. There is a match out there for for all of us. And you know, like Mallory, we kind of discussed this before, but like you know how Mallory kind of said that you know she went through a number of different guys until she found the perfect one right and you have to be the perfect one um and i think that's a, a lot of it is you know self reflection and learning about yourself and learning you know what you need a in life but also be out of a relationship um and and i think that's an important thing it's an important thing to be able to look in the mirror and and have those conversations with yourself um and 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 be honest with yourself uh, but, you know, I, I kind of want to get back to the book here a little bit. Um, you know, what what is your favorite part of the book? Because, there's, you know, there are some, there's a lot of highs. There are a lot of lows in Salt of My Soul. Um, but what 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 is your, like, favorite part of the book that, you know, what, you know, when you read it, you get, like, a big smile on your face? Yeah, I think there are two. And they're both, uh, of course, notes from Mallory because her writing far eclipses that of my own. Uh, <laughs> and so the, the first is... Uh, uh, during transplant, you know, we finally got the real call, um, flew out there, was really nervous, um, got to the hospital, and I was on the first night shift. And so the surgery had happened about half a day before. And, uh, you know, Mallory was supposed to still be very sedated for a long time recovering. Uh, you know, she'd been through a major surgery, her body needed its rest. Uh, so I was really surprised at 2 a.m., when she woke up fully lucid and, uh, that, you know, that's, that's, that's okay. The doctors were like, you know, this, this is rare, but, um, she's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and, uh, Mallory still had the ventilator in, so she couldn't speak. Uh, but she, you know, demanded to communicate. Mallory is a big communicator. And so she, we got her, a uh, a notepad and a pen to write with. And, uh, you know, she had to put a lot of effort into writing and motor skills were tougher to use. And she was still in a haze from all the drugs. Um, and she, you know, wanted to know immediately what medicine she was on, uh, you know, who, who was in the room, what, where, where was she at in the surgery, very much in control. Uh, that's all background to say that, uh, you know, finally she had calmed down and um, she calms down and we hold hands. Uh, so we fell asleep holding hands in, in the hospital room. And um, then at something like 4 a.m., she, she shook me awake and she you know, asked for the pen and paper again. And uh, at first I thought something was wrong, but, um, you know, she looked really concerned. Um, but uh, then she wrote me this note that I'll never forget that said, uh, you have so far exceeded my expectation of what is possible for love. And that was a really uh, sweet moment for us. Uh, I, uh, I look back on that and uh, look at all the conflict our relationship had had for the past year, uh, you know, the tumultuousness of going uh, through the transplant process, moving to Pittsburgh, being on the list for a while, having so many false hopes. And then, uh, here we were on the other side, um, Mallory had survived. Uh, and so that was a really special moment for us. And it, it planted the seeds for, for hope that I wish we could have uh, had some more time to act on. Uh, that was the first I can talk about the second, if, uh, you know, time permitting. Yeah, of course, <laughs> but, man, go yeah, for it. Yeah. Second. This is your show, sure. man. Oh, <laughs> 
<laughs> says the guy running the show. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, the other one was um, a note that uh, until it was in the book, I'd actually forgotten about. Um, I'd saved it away in some files. And uh, it was Mallory thanking me, um, you know, less than a year in to me dating her uh, for taking that leap to, to stay with her, even though her life was getting crazy with all these very serious medical complications. And so it kind of harks back to what we had talked of earlier of, of taking that calculated risk. And, uh, you know, Mallory, I'm paraphrasing here, but she was like, uh, I appreciate so much you jumping into this crazy life of mine, but it doesn't surprise, or it surprises me, but it doesn't, uh, because you're so great or something like that. Uh, you can, you can read it in the book. Uh, but that meant a lot to me. And, uh, that always, um, you know, makes me wish that, that I could see her. And, uh, you know, if I had five seconds with Mal, I'd, uh, want to give her a copy of the book, um, show her that it's real and give her a hug and say hi. Uh, so that those, those, uh, notes like that definitely bring back her, her memory a little more vividly. I think one of my favorite things about her that I learned from reading the book and, the, the first example you just shared is her sheer brilliance in her capacity to put such complex feelings into words. Like if you think about the, the note she wrote you just, you know, a half a day after her transplant, can you repeat what it was? You have so far exceeded my expectation of what is possible for love. I can only imagine that that was such a combination of love and passion and relief and gratitude and, you know, fear of lying in a bed, but she can take all those feelings and put it into words. And that was every page of the book was these thoughts that even as, you know, I'm someone who does not have CF, but go through the same young 20 something girl experiences. And she can take those feelings that you don't even know how to put to words and describe them and compare them to intellectual metaphors. And it was just so, I had a lot of friends unrelated to the CF world who read it and loved it, I think for those same reasons. But what is something, so that's one thing I learned about Mal from the book. What is something that the readers didn't learn about Mal that's something that you want people to know about Mallory that maybe mm. was not a part of the book or didn't quite come across to readers? Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, what comes to mind right away is how many friends Mal had. Like, I consider myself a pretty social guy. Like, I'm an extrovert. Um, I'm blessed to have many good friends and family in my life. But for however many I have, Mal had, like, no joke, 10 to 20 times more. <laughs> and so she she had a lot of big, um, big fans, and I think she was fans of other people. And, you know, I've, I've often wondered why that is, um, you know, why, had, why Mal had such a big heart. And I think it's because of a number of things, namely that she wanted to get the most out of life while she was here, uh, no doubt. Uh, but also she wanted to be involved in the lives of her friends that were dealing with uh, maybe more normal problems. And, you know, like her sitting uh, in a hospital bed being forced uh, to deal with her problems that sucked <laughs> was not fun. And so uh, as a response, I think she involved herself in her friends' lives as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And... Um, uh, you know, one of Mallory's tricks to life she found is that you come to love life a lot when you love your friends and family a lot, too. Uh, so the more love you give, the more you get in return. Um, and so that, that was obvious at every step of the journey and something that, that benefited our relationship and my life. It still does today, um, you know, with her family and her friends. Those are still the people I'm closest with now. 
It's funny you say that because when we went to the reading at the New York Public Library, it was filled with a lot of Stanford people. Mm. And I, so many of them went and introduced themselves to Mallory's parents as if they were, you know, knew Mallory super well. But I think um, Diane, her mom, didn't know all of them. But I think it's because Mallory just had so many friends that there's no way you keep track of this was my friend from this part of Stanford and this is that one that I think every, she made everyone feel like friend. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, she was the uh, other people will say this, too. She was the first to jump up, smile really big, uh, give someone a hug and make them feel welcome. And uh, that same interaction uh, has spread to so many people. And uh, because Mal spent a lot of time at Stanford, that, you know, that community really felt her love. Uh, but it really touched, um, uh, you know, everyone Mallory touched felt that, I believe. And so they all uh, came to show their support whenever they could. Uh, and th- and that absolutely, I think, we saw it in person, and we were so fortunate to see it in person at the Public Library, but that that certainly, I think, came through the pages. You know, just you know, her describing the day-to-day friendships and relationships that she had, not only you know growing up, but also as she was in college. You know, she was able to make it sound interesting, like her going to yoga. You know, that's like it's a mm. it's a that's a pretty you know mundane activity, but she was she was able to make it sound fun and interesting, and make it sound make it seem like it it, made, it, it meant so much to her. You know, um, and I think that's really one of my bigger takeaways from the book. You know, we, we've talked about a few here, but that was also something that I. Um, from the you know the the actual writing process, that's something that I think I took away from 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 Salt of My Soul. Um, but you know we're kind of running a little bit out of time here, so uh, Jack, I want to say a big thanks for for joining the podcast, Salt of My Soul. Uh, that is the book we're talking about. Uh, as far as I think CF you know books are concerned, you know Alex by Frank DeFord is always going to be you know right up there at the top, and I think Salt of My Soul is right next to it. Um, they're they're both really 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 amazing, and you got to check them out. Um, but before we let you go, Jack, we have uh, the recommendation segment that we uh, do to finish off our podcasts, where we talk about something that is totally unrelated to what we've been discussing. So it is a recommendation that you have for our listeners. And since you're the guest, you get to lead us off uh, with what are you going to recommend for our listeners to either do or get involved in? Oh, that's a big task. Um, it's not completely unrelated, so if I can bend the rules there a little bit. Um, but one thing that I've, that's really benefited my life over the past year, and particularly since I've lost Mao, uh, is to practice self-love and self-compassion. Uh, you know, there's um, a lot of things that I'm now a lot more thankful for um, and to celebrate um, the highest parts of life uh, so that they can, you know, have a chance at drowning out some of the, the sad ones. Uh, you know, I, I miss Mel a lot, but um, I'm really thankful for, for all that we had together, and I don't regret dating her for a second. Uh, she was a, a lovely person. So That's a tremendous recommendation. Now, Darcy, you're up. <laughs> okay, mine is completely unrelated because that was what I was told to prepare for, and it is not as sentimental. But I recommend the Whistle app for dogs. Ooh. It is a Fitbit that dogs can wear on their collar that tracks their activity. So our Jack Russell Blinky wears a whistle around her collar and it tracks the amount of of mileage and minutes of activity that she does and it even breaks it down into style of activity. So it'll be like Blink was walking or Blinky was swimming Um, and it has a GPS function. So if she leaves her safe zone, we get push notifications that she has left and it has really eased my anxiety about being a dog parent. 
I can actually attest to the effectiveness of the Whistle app, having been forced <laughs> to download it myself. Um, and I uh, certainly appreciate that you've taken uh, that to heart and are now letting our listeners know that the Blinky has a Fitbit on her neck. Um, but yes, it does it does work quite well. Um, my recommendation today is... Um, Hmm. It's actually a book. I'm going to recommend a book. We're talking about books, so we're gonna we're just gonna stick with the, the topic. Um, I read recently uh, a book. I'm a huge Top Gun guy. Recently, the Top Gun tra- the Top Gun two trailer debuted recently. Um, so I actually read the memoir written by the guy who started Top Gun. Damn it. Gunner, Gunner, you got cut off again. Gunner, it ended with recently the Top Gun two trailer was released, and then you got cut All out. Right, I'll I'll pick it up. Recently, the Top Gun 2 trailer was released, uh, but I actually read the memoir of the guy who started Top Gun, the actual commander who started Top Gun, uh, and the book is titled Top Gun, appropriately, uh, and it is all about Top Gun, it's the behind-the-scenes of Top Gun. So that is my recommendation for the week. Not quite as powerful as Jack's, but uh, that's what the recommendation segment is for. He made us look bad. Um. But, of course, also we recommend, if you have not read Salt in My Soul and Unfinished Life by Marley Smith, it is so good. Um, I had to download the Kindle app on my iPhone so I could read it at work. I read it in the bathroom at work with the door closed because I could not put it down. Um, so we highly enthusiastically yes, we recommend, recommend well. this very moving, powerful, brilliant, intellectual book. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, it is a beautiful book, but it's always helpful to have other people cheered on. So I really appreciate that. Of course. Um, well, you can join us every Thursday. That's when we publish our podcast. Uh, you can follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. Remember, remember you rate, review, and subscribe. Five stars for Jack and Mallory this week. Uh, very, very important. Uh, you can hit us up on Instagram at breathe underscore in underscore pod and that's also our email address breathe underscore in underscore pod at assassin.org uh salt of my soul is the book that's jack goodwin that's darcy i am gunner assassin thank you all for joining us and we'll see you next week bye bye guys (laughs)